Feed my body, free my heart. Set my spirit free. Let me fly into the sky. So good to have you all. My name is Aaron Johnson. We are in our final uh, podcast of a three-part series uh, with me, Portia, and Lisa Littlebird. Um, that was birthed out of a lot of things, but birthed out of uh, a guest um, sharing into your community, Lisa. And we decided to have this as a resource for you all. So we love you all so much that are part of the song community and beyond, but that'd be special. And um, even though some of you all may know Lisa very well, some of you all may get on this podcast, I've just met us and met, who, what's going on? I just clicked on this title here. Um, and so I just want to, Lisa, if you don't mind, just give us a quick kind of sense of who are you? Give us a little, little introduction to you and your world. Thank you so much, Erin. Um, my name is Lisa G, and I am a community song leader. It's a passion for me to use song as a vehicle of transformation and connection among communities. And uh, we're recording this during the time of coronavirus where that's in some flux and we're navigating new online vehicles for connection and workarounds until it feels safe and appropriate to gather in large groups again but the power of song remains the same as uh, for me it's a it's a vibrational technology that is instantly available for us to transform energy in a tangible way. And in particular, transforming disconnect to connection and transforming negativity into upliftment and despair into hope. Mm -hmm. And so it's a real passion for me to share ways uh, of using song in our mainstream life it's something that historically tribes and cultures did together all the time and in kind of western modern culture it's become more performative and so it's my personal mission to really restore it to being a birthright thing not something we have to be good at or to get right but something that we just do mm. as beings together mm. and it's how we met as a mutual interest in song leadership. Mm. I want to thank Katie for that, for that yeah. bridge. We always want to, uh, it's like the honor how we got here. Thank um, you, Katie. Hi, Warren. <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, Portia, we'd love to give a quick introduction of you because I know folks might know you, but I'm like, let's always introduce Portia and who you are. Who are you? Yeah. Um, Today. <laughs> right. Um, yes. Hello, everyone. My name is Portia Bede. I am a co-founder of Holistic Resistance with Aaron here, and I am also someone who is deeply entrenched in, in music and creativity. Being someone, I think, you know, in a lot of ways, I see myself as a holistic resistor, and one of those avenues in which I reach to resist with is through artistry and music. Um, another area where I like to resist is through deep mentorship program. I am someone who's been mentoring several young African heritage folks and also co-lead a group 
with uh, Aaron called the Chronically Undertouched. Mm -hmm. And there's some deep, deep work that we've been doing around that. And today that we get to dream about building a world in which the Chronically Undertouched no longer exists and, mm -hmm. and using music and song as a part of that liberation feels mm -hmm. really empowering to me. So grateful to be here with you all. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Portia. Ah, my name is Aaron. Um, and I, I think one of the things I'm noticing right now is <clears throat> being a holistic resistor and resisting with all of myself. I can't imagine doing that without song. Um, song with myself and to myself and song with others. Not just people that are standing next to me, but people that I, I've learned to love that I've noticed deeply in their hearts of who they are. And I think in some ways that's beyond my mentorship program turned up now beyond uh, the holistic resistance and the many of things that that's gotten me into trouble with just connecting good troubles as a uh, it might be said uh, uh, is connecting deeply with human beings really connecting deeply and I look at some of my early YouTube videos way back in the day and I hear myself I crack up but the things about it, I saw this little tinge you see Aaron like I want to know you I have questions for you, even way back then, you know, this is 20 years ago, 15 years ago, it was a thing that I really was invested in. So just really tracking that that's actually one of the deep parts of my passion is being connected um, as deeply as that um, <clears throat> life in my mind and other minds will allow. Um, that being said, this podcast is really gonna be talking about dreaming. Um, and when we talk about dreaming, we're just thinking about the future. We don't really know with the song summit, we could not imagine the COVID virus. We couldn't imagine a lot of things that we're currently navigating with fires and climate change. And so with that noticing of not knowing what tomorrow will bring, we are aware that right now this podcast is being recorded in the month of September and we have a, a election coming up. There's a lot of tension around it. Mm -hmm. So relationships feels really important and in a mainstream culture that feels very divided. And so in that narrative, I would love to start with um, a couple of questions for Lisa and then invite Lisa to ask us questions. It's kind of a back and forth uh, conversation, probably a little bit heavy on us asking you questions, Lisa, but we don't know. I have a couple here I wanna start with. So the first question I have is, when we think about um, going into the future of the unknown of tomorrow, I think about what seems important around the kinds of relationships. And I think how you phrased it earlier was the quality relationships can you give us a brief description on how you want to reach and build um, the next stages of your relationships? And I would like to emphasize across cultural lines, but I don't want to just limit to that too. I want to let you be free, but I also have a curiosity of like quality relationships and reaching them across cultural lines, like from you to African heritage person, but also in this, the community you have around you that might not be so much leaning and noticing race as a, as a, as a barrier potentially. Thank you, Aaron. <clears throat> Please uh, guide me if you see me drifting too far from where you're pointing. But what arose as you were speaking was, I recognize that we live in an information age where it's getting easier and easier to surround oneself by pe with people that are very much like ourselves. Hmm. And to really get caught in a trap of uh, um, homogeneity and to believe after doing that because that all of the reflections around us are so similar to our own worldview to actually believe that that is the world mm -hmm. 
So to me, it feels like a crucial time that hasn't yet existed in our world to activate a deep intention at every personal level to expand one's curiosity outside of the realms of one's personal experience mm -hmm. and to make it an important act in every day to reach for people whose opinions are divergent, for wh whom experience is quite different of this life, and practice expanding uh, empathy, growing for experiences that are different than our own. And recognizing, I know in myself, that there's a certain threshold after which the relatability begins to wane when I'm reaching for somebody who has a really different life experience. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that is kind of my, then my current boundary that I want to keep stretching and growing, but it has to go at its, at an organic pace at a place that I can actually um, hold and mm. secure in my being. And so it feels really important to, to feed the relationships in my life with people whose experience has not been like mine and race is an obvious um, example of that. Mm. Mm. A phrase actually can hold, that's an important piece. Oh, somebody said, I was like, ooh, which you can mm -hmm. actually hold. Because I, I have, I have a, my, my, my mind and my emotions sometimes can exceed my actual capacity to hold <laughs> what right. I'm reaching for. Or, like, or my hope or my excitement. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, oh yeah, like, I, it was the summit that we met, I go back to that because there's so many people that I wanted to reach deeply for, <laughs> but I couldn't actually hold it. Not because I didn't want to, I didn't love them. It's just because our positionality, um, it can be my blackness, my maleness, my, my raised poorness. Um, all that is like, have to consider when when holding those the, the variety of stories i think in that particular summit it was mostly my like um concern about managing my sexual energy and making sure that I wasn't being confused in the connection which was a barrier and so i think for me um when you said actually can hold i just really really resonate with that um and of course you may have more to say on this but i want to insert a little little follow-up to that actually can hold is we talk a lot about in holds because this is about capacity and i think a lot can be said around capacity and I'm a, I'm a person that I've lipped weights in my, in my life and uh, I have a sense of, oh, that's 200 pounds, that, that's 200 pounds, but then like 200 pounds and like a bag of earth is different 200 pounds on a bar that's been weighted perfectly and evenly measured. And so there's a way in which um, capacity comes up for me in, a, in a kind of an emotional sense. Um, we're in a pandemic right now. You're actually transforming probably because of the song leader narrative shifting some you're you're in i would say i'm making this up a little bit here but my theory is that you're in transition you're in a, in a, in a state of evolution that might be heightened more so than non-covid times and i'm curious do you feel like right now you have more capacity to hold i'll specifically speak to my own lane african heritage stories or less capacity because of what's happening in the kind of surrounding world and the uprisings that are are like on the cusp of, of flaring up any given moment in any given city that's a great question. And I feel that this time has really called me into deepening my inner work. But that's kind of step one is being willing to face my deeper fears, um, really look at 
biases, read the books, educate, um, that many people that I know are doing that work and that it's a really important step, but it's not whole. The mm. wholeness for me is practice, is mm. being in the world and doing it. And so there's some limitations mm -hmm. in the current environment for that. So I'm recognizing that um, I can't fully know my capacities without practice. Mm -hmm. um, but what I can do is feed and foster um, individual relationships and mm -hmm. build the currency of trust between people who I care about, like yourselves. Mm. Thank you. I'm going to give you space, Portia, if you want to ask a question before <clears throat> I ask my next topic, if you have any thoughts, either based on what this is shared or what's coming through your body right now, I want to give you space for that. Yeah, I'm just appreciating um, what you're sharing, Lisa, and just this, this kind of adding to the conversation of being with stories and noticing being in relationship with folks of color. Um, one of the thoughts of, that I was curious about if you would kind of think about and share a little bit around is, are there specific types of Black stories or trauma stories that you feel like at this moment in time in your life that you have the capacity to be with versus other stories that may feel a little bit harder um, that you're hoping to be with? Yeah, it's interesting. I feel... Um... A lot of not knowing there, but I, I have a relatively high degree of trust for my capacity to hold trauma generally when it emerges um, because I have had quite a bit of experience through different, um, a real interest in kind of high intensity life experience and Thinking that out actively for my whole life and being in the room when big energies move through or transformational experiences happen. I also have a real interest in non-ordinary states in which lots of different emergent material arises. And so I have a fair amount of experience in holding that with trust and with groundedness in the moment. Um, however, I have less experience and less comfort when those trauma stories are really pointed energetically with an activated anger toward me personally. Mm. And that's still an edge for me to practice not taking it personally and letting it be an energy that moves through and isn't stifled, but still maintaining my own, you know, boundaries for health and well-being. So that's a place of growth for me, for sure. Mm. Thank you for naming that. Yeah, I, I really just appreciate you naming this piece of when it's directed at you, how it's so important to notice that, you know, it's not about you per se all the time and that it is this trauma story that is moving through an individual. I feel, I feel a lot of empathy. I feel a lot of empathy around that conversation because I think oftentimes when when we're in this place of trauma, when we're moving through this place of trauma, sometimes it can be directed towards a person as opposed to us just being, because there is no other way or some folks feel like they don't have a lot of spaces to release it. 
and sometimes you're that person who just happened to be in the space. Um, yeah. yeah, I've really become invested with this conversation of like, what are ways for us of misreaching for relationship and deepening and in, in connection to still also be able to notice trauma versus the individual. Um, that's just like really important. So I'm hearing you around that. Mm. I think a, a way that I'm working with it in a personal level, not the practical so much, mm -hmm. but is to deeply feel into, I'm willing to play whatever role mm. life wants me to serve in as an agent for healing and transformation. And mm -hmm. so from that place, it's less personal um, mm. apparently. Right. And so trying on that mindset and attitudinal stance is a way that I feel like I am practicing to get ready mm. to hold more of that in real world, world scenarios. Mm. And mm. I'm also interested, we've never talked about this, but it's something that's been in my heart for a while that it would be maybe really, um, healing and beneficial to have like a code like an agreed upon language of tools between us mm. for instance if i say something that you hear a little a little alarm bell or a big alarm bell in your being that feels resonant of harm mm. by the way i say it by speaking too much by using language that's evocative or whatnot and being able to have a hand signal or something in yeah. the moment where yeah. we can facilitate our own repair if it feels viable in the moment or or create some kind of a agreement that we always have a a safe container to come back when we do have readiness to yeah. share impact about anything uh -huh any of us has done um, to, to, to have a mutual willingness to hold that. Yeah. I, I, I like that idea. I, I'm trying to think of my core teams that I do a lot of this intimate, intense work with. We don't have any kind of signal per se as formal, but I like that idea of like some kind of acknowledgement. Um, and it was hard for me though, is most of the deep, like we'll call it a harm. I don't notice until like, the day after. So I'm like, I had this experience. Maybe it's a podcast recording, maybe it's a conversation. And I, 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 I'm ready to go to sleep. You know? I'm, I'm, I'm kind of reviewing my day. I'm like, Ooh, why am I feeling just feeling, right? So then I might send you like a Marco Polo to, hey, you know what, Lisa? I just want to say, like, it usually it starts sometimes as like, maybe I said something that was wrong. <laughs> Are you, I'm concerned. Or it could be like, I'm concerned about something I said, and maybe that response was intense. But I thought I'm such a, like a hindsight 2020 observer of trauma. In the moment, I don't know if this is like my male stuff where I, I'm like partially numb in the engagement. And I, I translate right now this moment of like, I want to hold all the carnage. And like, and so for my, my heart's so like open in a sudden sense. I'm like, I'm, I'm taking in so much at times um, that I, I have a hard time feeling the slices. I feel like the, the slices are so kind of mixed in with so much other things stimuli or simulation that I don't quite notice it. But I think it's useful that at some point maybe I will be able to go, oh, that was harsh. That was, that felt condescending. That tone of voice felt like you were separating from me in some way. I felt some feelings about it. Not sure if it was you or something inside myself that's activated. Um, so yeah, I, I like to think about that because I think you're on something really powerful to like signal that. That might help me be more aware of just my like in the moment feeling 
because um, almost literally 98%, 99% of my harm, I'm like, man, last month, Portia, remember this one time? It's always going backwards. It's really like, it just happened. Um, even if the moment I watch the video, I'm in the moment. So I just appreciate that. that, that. I, would I think like that's common that. for most people. Okay, okay. So I, I'm not too alone. That's good. I was like, yeah, it's true. I, I would love to be able to be like, you know, some kind of signal in my body or hey, that kind of stung or and maybe could name it. Maybe it's a word. It's a word. I think a word might work. So I, I'm going to think about that. I love that. I think where we're headed, even beyond this podcast, that tool will be so useful. So thank you for proposing that. And in that proposal, I want to give you space, Lisa. I know we have you know, 20 minutes till ish to landing. I want to give you space to give any questions from me or Portia or both that you might want to share. Not a requirement, but just give you space to reach for our hearts and minds with a topic or question you're curious about. Yeah, thank you. I'm curious in that relational realm, what are the qualities that you look for in white allies that help build your sense of trust and interest in deepening? If you can name them like above other qualities. Yeah. You know, I, I have such a deep love, and I tell people, I love everybody, but I have such a deep love for humans that as I started to get harmed by certain groups over others and other groups because of, you know, what I noticed with, with white people, and I, I say white people, I'm, I'm gonna speak more of the white trauma because white people are just human beings surviving in America, but the way America sits on them, what I've noticed in my own experience is the ability to ask questions of themselves so I don't have to ask them. So what I mean by that is that there's a, I'm not expecting white folks to have a, a complete awareness of their oppressive material because it's hard to see. It's like me watching my mail material. I miss it pieces all the time. But there are questions I get to ask myself as a black man, I'll, I'll use my mail material as, a, as my model, that makes it easier for certain or a big portion of women to be close to me because I've asked these questions on some level. And, and on the labor of other women in my family and community that's helped me ask these questions, but because they were asked, <laughs> when, when I engage with women in my, now in my late 30s, it's such a different, palpable, different emotion because I've done that self-investigation. And so with white folks, I think what I look for is folks that have asked themselves those hard questions or have started those hard topics within themselves and their communities. So when I bring them up, like I say something like, what is your ideal black person? It's one of the ones I often bring up when we're trying to notice trauma stories. And white people are like, I'm done with that question, kick it out of my system. Instead of like, oh, I'm gonna sit with that. I'm gonna take that question in and let it bang around in my heart and mind and have me be honest about maybe some of the conditions that may have given me some ideas of these are kind of voices, body types, economic brackets, body smells, hygiene, maintenance, whatever details you wanna have, I have a sense of who I can be close to and what my capacity is and be honest about that. And then the second thing that's just right next to that is not editing themselves. I, I can't emphasize enough the stress on my body of white folks that refuse to actually say anything meaningful or take any real risk because they're editing themselves so hardcore to be in this idea of perfection. And so for me, that is one of those two pieces if I had to just like pick a short list um, is the ability to ask themselves questions and secondly, not to edit themselves. I'm not to edit themselves. I don't mean with someone that says, I just say what I'm gonna say, I'm gonna be rude. What I mean by is that they're able to take those dark topics and thoughtfully examine that some might frame as the shadow side of themselves. And I really value people. I was talking to this person and they said, um, I'm into like um, BDSM, so like really like aggressive sexual behavior. And I have these really heavy dominating dreams of dominating black men. 
And we were in a container where I thought that that was totally held well. But I was so glad we had this long, extensive conversation about how they work out some of their material, even though it's racist material, and they're, they're kind of being oppressed by Black men in their early lives and being hurt by Black men, that they work that out as a white person, white woman, on Black bodies in the container at BDSM in an agreed environment where everyone agrees to be there as a part of some of their major healing. That's a shadow spot. And you don't talk about that in Starbucks over coffee easily, right? But it's a shadow place. And in that place, we were able to not edit. We were not able to not, to not run from the, the dark shadow spots. So there's, there's a thousand levels of darkness of restraint and, and sexuality or aggression that I'm not saying I have to go there immediately, but that, that, that kind of depth is available because when I look at the imagery of black folks being hung and tortured, it's shadow stuff. It's this dark stuff. And I think it's for us to have the capacity enough to edit when sort of edge closer to what has actually really been happening to um, African heritage folks since the kind of inception of this country, that kind of um, goal, even we're not there yet, that kind of goal to get to those dark parts of this narrative and not like, well, I'm gonna stop with like, it's like Disney when the right before the lion attacks the gazelle, they, they edit away from it and don't ever show the killing of the actual animal because they think it's too traumatizing for whatever reasons. Yeah. There's a way in which white folks, I think in a general kind of live a life where they, they cut the they cut this conversation right before the teeth sink into the skin. They'll talk, oh, racism's horrible. Oh, you see what happened, but no, wait, wait, wait. There's a point where the actual man dies in this video. And that death is a ripple to his family in a way that's carnished and it sets things in motion that might perpetuate that same harm. So I, I think the editing is allowing us to stay in the reality and not and not lean towards like critiquing Disney here, but just not having a Disney version of the edit in our conversation. So that that editing version is really about being more actually more mindful. I think the folks that try and edit the most oftentimes slip the most and and get really really uh, cause the most harm because they don't have the muscle of being skillful in those dark areas where really we're really hyper aware. So that would be the two. I said a lot, but the two elements I would say um, are huge: asking yourself those questions and being able to not edit yourself and go into those shadow spaces with awareness of being connected with it. One of the goals of staying connected in that process, um, not going there to humiliate, shame, or harm, but to really stay connected in that, in those, I, I say some people frame this as shadow spaces. So that's what I would look for in the parts of being allies with uh, white folks and black folks with me. Thank you. Thank you so much. Beautifully said. How about you, Portia? Yeah. I really appreciate this question. Um, I feel like one of the ways in which I tend to feel connected to white folks in this work who are choosing to move with this work are when they're able to track their positionalities mm -hmm. as we, we, we use the word positionality and holistic resistance as a way that's basically a concept of a deep observation, both on a external, how you may be, what I like to call the perceived positionality of how you may be perceived by a person of color versus also the internal aspect of who you know yourself to be. And I think these have been two elements that we have really embedded into holistic resistance as a way of reaching for white folks and, and slowing down this conversation of noticing one's positionality. So when I'm reaching for individuals who can track their positionalities and not just track their positionality as in, okay, I'm, I'm a white woman who does yoga, who drinks kombucha, who's in this location. This is how I tend to be. Not just in that context, but also slowing down the conversation of how does your positionality line up next to mine? How did, when, when, when you take your positionality and you sit, me, you sit yourself next to me 
as a black queer plus size woman what 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 is what is one of the first things I like to notice and I even named it with you which was really beautiful Lisa is like we're not supposed to be reaching for each other yeah. like just to notice that just from the from the start of the fact that we're not supposed to be in a relationship we're not supposed to be in connection because there's been so many barriers that have been put between a black queer plus one plus size woman and a white thin bodied woman who is told these are certain narratives that you're given and then these certain narratives going back to what you said about the informational age i think there's this place in which we were like oh based on your positionality this is the person you're supposed to be reaching for right I was just talking with a good friend of mine who is a mother who lives in Duval, Washington. And, you know, she's, she's, she's like talking to me and she's like, yeah, you know, I was given this narrative of how I was supposed to be and who I could be with. And I, it's, you know, shit line up to like a scientist, like white woman in the sciences who are deepening around public health. And that, that, that should have been it. And I'm like, and you got a black woman in feeling like, you know, that's the person who you're deepening with. That's who you ended up connecting with. That's who someone who you feel really connected to. And that to me is, is important to notice because there are so many ways in which our positionality, I feel like can help inform the ways in which we've been told we can be close and we've been told, we've been told that we can't be close. Mm -hmm. And I think going back to what Aaron said, our positionality informs us with questions. Mm -hmm what questions can be asked one of the questions that i've been recently um inviting individuals to sit with and it's it's been it's just been a powerful question it's been one of those questions that folks want to as aaron said eject out of the brain and don't want to sit with and that is what are the ways that you dominate black bodies for your safety mm. Mm. right yeah. and so when we slow that down, just what are the ways? And most folks are like, I don't, I'm, I'm not, I'm not aggressive. I don't, I don't try to overpower black people. That's, that's not what I do. And then they, they sit with it a little bit and they let the question kind of stir and it, and it moves through them a little bit. And they're like, oh, snaps. I, I intellectually believe that I dominate black people intellectually, that there is, that, that I will always be smarter than black people. I, that's what I believe. Well, going back to that shadow side, right? Mm -hmm. That's something that is important to look at. That's something to be with. When you're, when you're wanting to be in a relationship, not to say that we can't be in a relationship, the fact that you're holding that, but it's something to be held, to notice that piece and to be able to be able to ask those questions and not just ask the questions, but sit with the questions. Ask the question six months from now. I could ask that same question I just asked for the next 10 years to the same person because it's going to keep shifting now it's gonna be, my kid my kid is better than your kid you know like, you know you know so well, white kids they they get they do better you know <laughs> whatever it is it's gonna it's gonna keep evolving it's gonna keep shifting and it's important to be able to track that and asking those questions and the positionality is one of those things that deeply deeply informs that and i think it goes back to the question we said earlier about tracking what folks's capacity are in this work because when we say looking at your positionality we're also saying what is your capacity to sit with just that element just that one element of noticing yeah i genuinely have have it in my trauma in the white trauma that i've been given that this is how i see black people oh wait portia you're a black person 
and I want to reach for you. Mm. How do we reach for this? How do mm. we notice this? Mm. I'm so glad that question got dropped here in this podcast. It is a question I hope echoes through people's hearts because we want to reframe that word dominance. Like that's not just like I'm stronger than mm-hmm. or I've, I've put you in behind bars. It's really a lot of it, even, even about the physical stuff starts here in the mind. Yeah. I'm more intellectually smarter. I'm, I'm, I'm more superior in my looks or I'm whatever it is that we kind of use to say I'm dominant over, I have power over, it, it lines up. Sometimes it's a cluster of many things, but what a question. I hope that can sit with our hearts and minds. And I know we have about four minutes till landing. We could chill for 30 minutes quickly, I know. Um, but Lisa, we shared a lot of content and, and thoughts and our answers to your really powerful question. Do you have any closing thoughts or follow-up questions we can sneak in here in the next four minutes and, and just mm-hmm. conclude with if you have any ideas that you want to riff off of from what you've heard thus far? Thank you. I'm really feeling receptive in this moment and um, sitting with what you've said and looking forward to letting that continue to marinate and feeling such appreciation for the ways that you do that each time we connect for me. And I, it's a larger than four minute conversation, but I'll just seed it for the future is I see in all relationships, there's always the potential of judgments and harm, right? And we're judgers. We're just, that's part of, I think the interpersonal work is transforming judgments, right? At a deep spiritual level, but, um, I have a teacher who says discernment is healthy and appropriate. Evaluation is healthy and appropriate. Judgment is adding superiority with a closed heart. Mm. And, um, and so as we, as we work to dismantle judgment in all its forms, there becomes this moment in all relationships as we build closeness of, uh, okay, you first. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I don't want to be the one that screws up first, or I don't want to be the one that <laughs> But um, that it is the act of, as you said, inviting willingness to be authentic and therefore invite the possibility, the likelihood of missteps that is actually the thing that builds trust. And so just feeling and soothing myself in this moment and into greater and greater willingness um, to do that. Not out of fear, but out of love. Mm. Mm. Thank you. I love that. It's dropping my really powerful thoughts. This is a a curious part. Um, It's a quote from Bruce Lee says, I fear now, I'm laughing because like Bruce Lee is about martial arts, but this is about, I think we're trying to bring it to a much more different space. But it says, I fear not the man who practices 10,000 kicks, um, uh, 10,000 types of kicks once, but I fear the man who practices one type of kick 10,000 times. And it's the idea of like, you know, people oftentimes in this, Space. I know I know all these things and all these theories. I practice it all the time. I, I mean, I might decide about Buddhism and I do vegan and I, I'm all I'm not racist. I've read all the books. And I think to myself, well, what is your what is your one thing that you just do again and again, like ten thousand times that really moves the dial? And so I'm curious, 
about, and I have visuals of you being, having a Kung Fu kick here, but you know, what is, what is a kick that you practice day in and day out? That's that 10,000 times kick that has helped move you for this little bird on any level in your life towards racism, maybe all the above. Do you have a sense of the one, if, if, if it's a one, maybe a one and a half or one and two, but kind of the one thing that you do that you find moves you in this time of maybe impossibility, some may say. Uh, well, it might feel like a leap, but the answer that arose as you asked it was using things like my connection with the earth to remind me of my humility. That I think that judgment is rooted in systems in which one believes in one's power um, as overarching or as um, bigger than perhaps it is. <laughs> and that healthy humility, not, not being small, but recognizing um, that one is a part of a much larger living structure mm. and not above or below anybody else inside of it, like has been, that's my day in, day out practice. And what I feel like is perhaps the deepest offering um, in this, in the context of this race conversation. Mm. Thank, Thank you. you so much for that, Lisa. And I'm curious if I can add a baby question to that just around like, how do you feel like you, so I think that's a beautiful kick and a beautiful practice to hold and to be with. Um, when you feel like sometimes, because just like anything that you work on, sometimes you're like, that, that didn't come out exactly the way I wanted it to come out, or I'm struggling this way, or oh, let me get back center. Or, like, I'm curious for you, how do you, how do you, come back to center when it's not always exactly the way you want it to show up. Mm. Yeah, thank you so much for that. It's a, um, it's a, been a very long road, but it's now I can take a stand in my deep commitment to not support shame in any form. Succinct and on point. Not always easy. Simple. No, no. <laughs> oh, shame is a beast. We uh, was talking about shame at our, our yeah. parenting program. Woo. Um, thank, uh, you, thank you, Lisa so Littlebird, Portia, um, electricity, internet, uh, laptops, <laughs> allow this conversation to happen, and all the other um, powerful energies in the earth that allowed us to notice, notice each other, not just not just bump into each other at the summit, but really notice that we want to reach beyond that that fateful event um, that we all met and it was beautiful and, and educational on multiple levels. I want to say in conclusion uh, to all your song song leaders and singers that we love you all. We're reaching for you all. We are invested in being in a village. We know we don't have the capacity to be on the call for hours and hours with you, but we hope that these podcasts kind of simulate a version of being intimate with us. Um, we're gonna softly edit these podcasts. We're gonna clip the end and the beginning but we're not gonna really edit too much in the middle at all. I don't think I've planned on editing anything out of that we shared. So it's literally a raw, honest expression of where we are. We don't plan to be perfect or, or, or even act like we're perfect, but we're really being honest about where we are. And I thought like that happened today in this last 30 or so minutes. So thank you everyone for allowing ourselves to be this raw and open here on this podcast. And um, I really look forward to being with you again, Lisa, uh, whatever version of reaching we end up in and also with you all the songs that we met in the song so we have no idea how our lives will intersect but we're looking forward to it on that note uh, we'll stop here feed my body free my heart set my spirit free
grow me. Let it heal me, let it cleanse me, let it feed me. I am soil, soil is me. Feed my mind, feed my heart, feed my soul all the time. Feed my body, free my heart, set my spirit free. Let me Feed my 